Welcome back to Tailgates and Turnovers. Happy New Year, everybody. Glad you guys could join us. Haven't had a chance to see Bennett. How are you doing this year so far, man? I'm doing good, man. Um, not much going on, just busy with work. So, but uh, we haven't been on here since even like the New Year's Six Bowls have happened. If I I'm know. Believe, right. It's been, what about you? What's going on? Nothing crazy. Uh, definitely enjoyed the holidays. Uh, looking forward to what this year has in store. But yeah, we missed. We didn't really get a chance to talk about a lot of these really good bowl games that we had. Um, I mean, we had the Tulane USC game. We had both semifinal games. Just incredible stuff. Like I, easily the best semifinals that we've had so far. Oh yeah, for sure. I think. Um... Yeah, even like when Georgia played Oklahoma in the Rose Bowl, like I don't remember the other side was, but it was a blowout. Like there's never one that's b- both teams. But I mean, I'd rather have the championship game be good than the semifinals, I think. Yeah, and that's the thing. And I'm <laughs> obviously, you know, the main focus of today is going to be talking about what happened in that final because uh, if the if the semis were exciting, this was not. Yeah, all right. So let's uh... – Let's get into it. Let's talk about the game. Everyone wants to know about the uh, the Houston Texans beat the Indianapolis Colts, and now the Chicago Bears have the number one overall pick in the draft. Incredible shit by Lovey Smith. That was uh, <laughs> just a masterful coaching job. Flipping the double bird to the Texans on the way out the door. Uh, you, you love to see it. Just I, beautiful stuff. Shout out to uh, Davis Mills. He is one of, I think, 12 NFL quarterbacks that is younger than Stetson Bennett. So Mills Mafia rise up. Yeah, he went to uh, he went to Greater Atlanta Christian down here before Stanford. Oh, really? Yeah, in yeah. Cross. local boy. Then, yeah, uh, they they've got some sort of Stanford pipeline. I mean, it's a private Did school, they? so yeah, yeah, that, that something makes sense. Yeah, but no, that <laughs> that game was the I, I I didn't watch the Bears game at all because I knew what was going to happen. I mean. They were starting Nathan Peterman, who yeah. somehow, from what I heard, didn't look all that bad. But then they pulled him for Tim Boyle, and then Tim Boyle threw like two picks in a row. So they was Peterman gets bad. Like he's not the worst quarterback like in the NFL. He's not, but man, that debut was the worst quarterback performance I'd ever seen in the NFL. Yeah, my uh, Michigan State boy Connor Cook got thrown into the fire in a playoff game and he had a pretty oh, bad I forgot about that one. That one's up there. <laughs> yeah. He he <laughs> he really went downhill because after his junior year, they were like talking uh, about him being like a top ten pick. And oh, then yeah. uh senior year he just didn't like progress. And he like fell to the third round and just flamed out. Yeah, he's doing he's doing one of those one of those like summer leagues or whatever it is, but trying like to the spring XFL or whatever. No, not that one. They've got the other one that's like a trial league or whatever. Like, okay. Do you know? I, I forget the name of it. The, is it the USFL? Um, no, it's another one besides that. I, it doesn't matter. There's more. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. There's. It's just sometimes you're on Wikipedia. You know, you go down a hole. Oh, the rabbit hole. Yeah. Yeah, just yeah. random guys in these uh, trial leagues. Yeah. No, but anyway, back. We're going to get off track here for a little bit because I, like I said, didn't watch the Bears game at all. Knew exactly what was going to happen. Iberflus uh, masterfully t- tanked mid-game. Just incredible stuff to see. But 
I had the Colts game on, obviously it's local, so it was it was over the air for me. And I watched every second of that dumpster fire of a game. That was some of the <laughs> that was one of those sicko games I've ever watched. And I had a rooting interest for it. It was that last drive by Davis Mills was just bonkers. Insane Brandon shit. Cook. Multiple fourth and, and over 10-yard conversions. Cook's revenge game for not trading him. Fucking whatever Colts DB that was that let the that let the game go through his hands. I I thought that ball got picked. Like it, he jumped up and he it looked like he picked that ball off, but then it ended up uh, in Texans' hands. And then the balls of Lovey to just fucking go for two points when you could just settle for overtime and like figure it out from there. That was. I, I loved seeing that, even outside of just the the implications for what it, what it would bring to the Bears for their draft pick. Uh, just that was just some hilarious shit to watch. Just had a blast watching that game. Yeah. So, what do you what do you think they're going to trade the pick back? Probably. I th- I think so. Yeah. It's uh. It sounds sounds like the Colts might be looking for a quarterback. So like. Yeah, I mean, and it, you should never just take anything GMs say at face value because it's all smoke screens right now. Like same thing with uh, the Bears GM, Ryan Poles, talking about how they're going to evaluate every position and, you know, if they like a guy, they're going to take him one. They're not taking a fucking quarterback with the first overall pick. It's not going to nah. happen. Nah. This, Fields, <laughs> this narrative, receiver, well, not, not that high, but you got to get a receiver and you got to get some defense. <laughs> like An offensive line, like – yeah, you literally you need everything with this team. Like arguably secondary, you're okay at running back. You should be fine at tight ends. Komet had what I would call a breakout year for a tight ends. So I think he's safe. Um, but yeah, you've got to get some guys on, up in the trenches on both sides of the ball. And like your wide receiver, week fifteen can't be fucking Byron Pringle, right? Like yeah. they they've got to get some help there. So yeah, they're going to trade back. I am. 100% confident that they are sticking with fields. I'm so sick of this narrative already. The season's been over for three days at this point, and people are already talking about if the Bears are going to move on from fields with the first overall pick. Just fucking stop. Yeah. Um, and But they have a ton of money to play with too, right? Yeah, they've got like 100. They have almost $120 million in cap space. Nice. And they're nice. not not a ton of high-end guys to, res- to re-sign. Um, they've got... I think Montgomery might be their biggest re-sign. Uh, Komet is going to be due for an extension, so I think he might be he might be getting one. Um, yeah, and then like Jalen Johnson's probably he's same draft class, so they got a couple of guys that they're that are due for extension if if the Bears want to pull the trigger. But they're going to have a shitload of money going into this offseason, so they've got a chance to turn this around real quick. Nice, yeah. My uh, my Steelers they took care of their business, but the yeah, Jets, they did. The Jets couldn't help them out, so. Tomlin, Tomlin is such a good coach. Yeah, it's insane. I mean, it's been, I think 2007 was year one. So, yeah, 16 years in a row without a losing season. The man I has mean, never had a losing season. And he's had some, the past couple of years, he's had some dog water for Austers to work with. Like, Dude, there, there was some times there, like, after they lost to Green Bay in the Super Bowl, like, there there were some rough years yeah. in that little spot. Yeah. I mean, like. They were just relying on like uh, Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown to like kill the baby. Team. Is what it is. 
But uh, Bills took care of their business, but then the uh, the Jets, Jets do their get it done. Yeah, I had, a, I had. They are such a loser franchise. They are. I had I had a bet uh, for every team to score a touchdown in the uh, the non night games that day. Jets and the Dolphins were the only two teams that didn't. Just fucking couldn't get it done either of those teams. But <sighs> well, I'm I'm happy with the way everything looked this year. Like I, I wasn't expect I was expecting probably like a six one season. So yeah, I'm, Pickett I'm looked fine. Pickett ended up looking okay. Yeah, he's he's fine. He'll be fine. Yeah. Just got to get some O-line help. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But, uh, but yeah, enough about the NFL. Although this, uh, you know, speaking of the Bears and their draft pick, one of their potential targets just showed the fuck out in this national championship game. Uh, and he did it from the first snap. Uh, Jalen Carter, he's a monster. Like, there's really yeah. no way around it. Um, the very first snap, he just completely collapsed the pocket and Duggan had to like run out and just ended up throwing a bad ball, but like just immediately causing havoc in that, in that TCU backfield. He's, he's so good. What the fuck, man? I just typed in UGA football on uh, Google just to pull up the scoreboard and like fucking uh, fireworks started going off. Oh, okay. It, it, yeah. But yeah, George, uh, George, we'll uh, celebrate. he's on, yeah, he's unreal. Like it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's crazy to see, someone just disrupt the middle of the offensive line like that. I mean, he was getting double teamed all night and it just didn't matter. Yeah. They, I mean, they, they rushed four all night and just dropped everybody back. It didn't mm-hmm. matter. Cause they, I mean, they knew the talent advantage. And so, yeah. So big picture, Georgia national champion back to back first time in a decade since Alabama did it. Um, 65 to seven, the biggest, margin of victory in, in bowl history, not just national champions, that like just any bowl game, this is the biggest margin of victory. And before we really get into this, I, I just kind of want to say bigger picture for TCU at least. This sucked to watch if you're a TCU fan, but this season was still absolutely a W season for them. Like they won a semifinal game, which nobody nobody had them doing. Really? Not, I mean, you had people saying, oh, this is how they could, but nobody was confidently saying TCU was going to win this game. They we were weren't. Eight, yeah, we sure as shit weren't. They were eight and a half point underdogs. Um, so, I mean, TCU, before we really get into the game and everything like that, just got to, because we're going to be praising Georgia a lot. <laughs> but I just, I just kind of want to get it out there that TCU still had an incredible fucking season and all the credit in the world to them for doing what they did. It just, they ran into a goddamn buzzsaw on Monday night. I think that's like, the easiest way to uh, describe it. Like we, so circling back to before the season started, we were doing our previews and everything like that. And as you brought up in our discord, I had some reservations that the Georgia defense might not have been, might not be as good as they were last year. Yeah. And you know, they had like what, 15 guys drafted. They had like eight dudes drafted in the first round. Like there was, I, I'll still defend that take by saying there was reason to believe that that could happen. But over the course of the season, they just proved that wrong time and time again. Just an insane defense to watch. And you saw it happen against TCU. Like this game, this game was stars matter at its peak. Like, 
they had almost as many five stars on their roster as TCU had blue chippers total. Right. Yeah. Like it's... this, the talent deficit was just way too much for TCU to overcome. Yeah. Like you said, you can't, you can't knock TCU. I mean, they were there. Nobody else can say they were there. Um, they've got, and they earned recruiting it. Class. Yeah. They've got a good recruiting class coming in. Like that's, how do you recruit to somebody after this? Though? Like, is that is that what you say? You were saying we were there, nobody else was. Like, yeah, the I Big mean, Twelve is going to be ours in a couple years once Texas and Oklahoma leave, like for good. Yeah, I think that's. I th- I think you won a semifinal game. Like that. Obviously, the result of this game is going to be a negative that people can look at. But with the type of talent you're recruiting, like you're generally not going to be big game hunting just yet. You know. Like you're not going for the best players in the country yet. You're gonna be you're gonna be increasing your profile though, and you're gonna be able to snag some higher four stars because Sonny Dykes has shown that he's taken a roster with 15 blue shippers total and brought them to the national championship. Like he he is going to be able to have that in his back pocket. Be like, look at what I did with this talent. Now just imagine what we can do if I get hot talent like you. Yeah. So I mean, and they're they're hitting the portal hard. Like they're hitting a lot of those guys like from Bama. Um, they are Trey Ellis. Sanders and um, yeah, I mean like they're they're setting up well. I mean yeah, it's, and a, some, it's, a, it's a desirable place to live too. Like Fort Worth's pretty nice. It's so. a desirable place to live, and they're in really good position in the Big Twelve, like you alluded to uh, just a second ago. Uh, once Oklahoma, I mean shit, even with Oklahoma there and Texas there, TCU is looking like the better football team than either of those teams right now. And when they leave, like. The Big 12 is going to be a ton of fun to watch, but TCU is in prime position to be one of the best teams in the conference year in and year out. Right, exactly. And I mean, uh, it looks like, like I mean, Oklahoma State's on the down. Iowa State. Uh, Oklahoma State, that that program looks like it's imploding. Like, yeah, it's, it's not looking very good. And I thought they were setting up well to be the ones that would be able to take over. But yeah, they had what they've had what seven starters transfer out at this point. Like things are bad. And they were up for uh, an award, not a good one for us. I mean, that's just a little. Oh, we're yeah. going to be doing our end of year awards later on, but oh yeah, we'll get to them. But yeah, yeah TCU they are hitting the portal hard, and you know, on that note, some later breaking news: uh, Walker Howard transferring out of LSU with TCU as a favorite destination. So that's a five-star quarterback that is just kind of getting lost in the QB room there at LSU. That he's a talented kid, obviously in high school, and he's got a chance to do some really big things at TCU. I don't know who. Is Duggan Duggan's coming back, right? No, no, no. He's oh, he's, he's done. Declared. Okay, yeah. He I, and if I was him, I would. I mean, like, oh yeah, take yeah. I, listen, Duggan, he lost the starting job before mm-hmm. the beginning of the year. Like it was Chandler right. Morris, and once he got in, I mean, like we I think it was the Oklahoma game. We're like, damn, he just ran like eighty yards. Yeah, like, he the whole the him and Kendra Miller just ran all over Oklahoma and yeah. put himself on the map. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, bigger picture, TCU is going to be fine. They're still in better position than what they were going into this season by a mile. Um, the national championship loss obviously sucks, especially if you're a fan, especially if you paid to go to that game as a TCU fan. Uh, that's that's a tough beat. Um, I, I can tell you what game I'm circling for 2023 right away is TCU Colorado week one. <laughs> against oh, DI. my God, that is going to be insane. Uh, yeah, instant watch. Yeah, I haven't but, I haven't looked at any of the the way too early top twenty five. So where are they? 
Uh, TCU, I've seen, I've seen them typically between four and thirteen. Okay. So they're I, still, I they're still getting respect. Um, you know, I think they they should definitely be in like the top seven still. Like regardless of what happened there, I think it's just, I mean, Georgia, they, they might three peat. Honestly, like I don't see on paper where they're going to get a loss next year. Looking at their schedule, and we Let's, can uh, we'll we'll talk about that in a second. Let's get into the game. For... Yeah. All right. So this game, um, yeah. Let's just do the drive. You want to just do a drive by drive recap? Yeah, just the world's quickest recap. Okay, I'll start. I'll do TCU. You can do Georgia as the, as okay. the hometown guy. So there you go. We got kickoff and then TCU punt. TCU fumble. TCU touchdown. TCU punt. TCU interception. TCU interception. And then that was halftime. Yep. UGA punt. TCU punt. And we're back. TCU punt. TCU turnover on downs. TCU turnover on downs. TCU punt. Yeah. I mean, uh, and all those roos, if you can't figure it out, those were touchdowns and I think one field goal. One field goal. Uh, Yeah. And they missed, let us not forget, they did miss an extra point. They did. Not a perfect game. Although I I did uh, listen to the PMT today. They did mention that that missed field goal was after Stetson Bennett was pulled from the game, who is typically their holder. And so, uh, you know, just another plus value for Stetson Bennett. Um, But yeah, man, like TCU just got crushed. They had one busted coverage play that, you know, they were able to get a big gain on. And that's what they bet. That was their touchdown drive. But besides that, like they didn't do a damn thing. Yeah, nothing. And uh, I will say uh, the kicker, Jack Podlesny, uh, he went to Glen Academy, which is the same high school that our friend Birdsong went to. Oh, no kidding. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not a private school. It just has academy on it. Yeah, okay. Same same school Jim Brown went there, too. Fun fact. That's, no shit. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, Georgia, you know, TCU, Max Duggan went 14 for 22 with 152 yards and two picks. Quentin Johnson. Predicted to be one of the best, the best receiver in the draft this year. He's one of those top guys. One catch for three yards. Um, yeah, they just offense. They were not able to get anything going. And on defense, I think that was where the biggest talent differential showed up was TCU on defense. So TCU, they run a three three five stack uh, up front, and. There's a lot of pros to running that kind of defense, especially if you have the bodies to do it, if you have the talent to do it. TCU didn't have the talent to do it tonight. Yeah. The, the one team I can think that really was ever able to do it successfully was like West Virginia when they were good. Iowa State they, Iowa State runs it pretty well. Do that. Well, it, it is a fun defense. Like you can, you know, stack or you can switch into four linebackers pretty easily so yeah and notre dame marcus that's actually marcus freeman's defense too at notre dame so they're kind of in a transition period so they're probably going to end up running that here within the next year or two but uh it's it's very versatile like you mentioned you're able to do a lot of different looks out of it but if you don't have the talent and the bodies to compete with nfl caliber linemen across the ball then you're gonna have a really bad time yeah 
And I, I mean, Georgia, they averaged what, like seven yards a carry? Like every time Almost, they yeah. Like they, they just couldn't stop him. 254 rushing yards on 44 attempts. Uh, TCU, 36 rushing yards on 28. Tale of two yeah. teams there. I mean, Stetson Bennett, what a way for him to go out. At least I, I think, hope. I hope he's done. Yeah, he's done. Um, So would you put him in the Hall of Fame if you could? The College Football Hall of Fame? Yeah. I would say using the – so, like, you know how the NFL Hall of Fame has the you, – can you just tell the story of the NFL without him? I feel like that applies to Bennett. Yeah. He so, – a walk-on, transferred to a JUCO, and then, like, his story is just nuts. I actually heard he's not eligible because if you haven't made an All-American team, you're not eligible for the Hall of Fame. Really? Yeah, which is a wild thing to me. Huh. Yeah, I mean, I wonder if they carve out an exemption for him at some point because, I mean, his story, I mean, like I was just saying, his story is just like everything you want out of a college football story. Like, that's the yeah. feel-good stories that you see on the game day and everything like that. Like, that's Stetson Bennett. He was a walk-on at Georgia, transferred out, and then came back in despite not even, like, having a chance to start. And then just due to, you know, some injury issues for the dogs in the quarterback room, he was able to get the start, and he just he's led them to two straight national championships. And he led them to winning this game. Like, he threw for over 300 yards and four touchdowns and had almost 40 yards on the ground, which he had some wheels tonight. And I don't yeah. know if I – I don't know if I just didn't see that over the season because he didn't need to, but – the dude is the dude might just be fast and not sneaky fast like you know most pocket quarterbacks are. Well, that was um a big part about last year when they moved away from JT Daniels, they didn't go back to JT Daniels. Like he's just he was able to get out and as weird and as small as he is, he had a better arm than JT Daniels, too. Yeah, I mean he's definitely more talented quarterback than JT Daniels is at this point. I mean, and this is one of those where we we've had some discussion about what the talent composite rankings are and how players are figured into it. Cause like Stetson Bennett, he would be, he would have like, what does he have? Did he have any stars? Was he a three-star guy? He was a three-star. Yeah. Okay. So he, he should not be that on the talent composite. If you're looking at what a talent composite is. So he, he's an incredible player. I don't know. You put, what, you put Stetson on Notre Dame. How many games do they win this year? Uh, at least 10. They don't lose to Marshall and fucking Stanford. That's for sure. Yeah. So, um, I mean, they probably don't lose to USC. I mean, it was a, it was a one score. It ended up being just one possession that changed that game. But yeah, I mean, Stetson Bennett, he's going to be, he should be in the college football hall of fame. If he can't make it on a technicality, then whatever. Um, but he should be in the hall of fame. And I don't know how high he can go NFL wise. Uh, I think he's probably just going to be a really good backup for some team. But, like, the dude is just – he's put his stamp on college football for sure. I think I think he's going to live out the uh, Chase Daniel dream where he's just a backup for, like, 10 years. And good for him. Like, the dude is able to run an offense well. So, if you're able to get a guy like that as your backup who can come in and just basically not suck for a game or two, then, like, that's the dream. Yeah. But um, – Okay, so otherwise, uh, Brock Bowers, just absolute insane unit. game, 
unit yeah. in this game. Crazy um, game. Vlad McConkey, his second touchdown. I, I mean, he doesn't have fast speed, but he was able just to run an out route, and he got five yards away from the defender, no problem. Yeah. Uh, the other touchdown he had was amazing. The the uh, AD Mitchell, the one handed grab, was nuts. Yeah, just highlight real plays from everybody, and like it's it. I will say it got a little it got a little shitty at the ends there with the uh, fourth and five. Fourth and five, and then like the weird like, and I I can appreciate it for the players and everything, but like the substitutions that they were making were like it was just basically giving everybody a standing ovation as they walk off the field. It was like okay, that's I thought it it could be seen as a little disrespectful there, but I for, from a player's perspective, I completely get it. Yeah, it's um. Did you hear was, about the Did you hear about the Georgia players eating wings? On the sideline, yeah, I saw that. One of my buddies actually knew the guy in the glasses that gave him the wings. Oh, God, oh, that, yeah. that was the most disrespectful thing of the night there. Yeah, um, but some of those guys that came in, like um, Bear Alexander on the D line. Oh, he nuts. had a monster game. Yeah, he um, and he's from Denton, which is like North Texas. Yeah, Denton guy. Yeah, and mm-hmm. uh, and then um, dude, Branson Robinson, the running back that came in, he Robinson had a wonderful game. Yeah, and I mean it was like fourth quarter backups, and I mean he um, he was a pretty high recruit, you know, like four star, but like he's basically built like Nick Chubb. It, he's from Mississippi. It was down to like Ole Miss and Georgia, and yeah. I mean, dude, like they just Saban gave Kirby the sauce, and he just ran with it. Gave Kirby the sauce, and then Kirby got what Saban himself has called the best job in the country if the right guy's there. That's uh I was listening to Stables. He was talking about that. You know, he's like everyone always poked the jokes about, you know, they haven't won since 1980. But yeah. it's like, dude, it is such an amazing place to go to school and like yeah. such a big football following that if you can get the right guy in there, like it's like it's gonna be great. Well, and it's one of the best homegrown talent bases that you can choose. I'm 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 past the point. I'll I'll say it. I mean, I'm from here. Like Georgia has more talent than anybody else. Like yeah. more than Texas, more than Florida, more than Southern California. Like yeah, I'll, I'll I, take it. I agree with that. And it's just and it's such a deep like that's the thing. You know, like you were talking about with the fourth quarter backups, they were still running it at will. Like if that game would have gone on for like a, if they would have added the fifth quarter for whatever reason, Georgia would have scored a hundred. They could have scored eighty if they wanted to. They could have. I mean, yeah. Kirby took Kirby did take the foot off the gas for the second half, and it did not matter. Yeah, I don't know. So uh, you were talking about back to back to back. So there's the two scenarios that come to mind are USC. Like, do you think there is a Vince Young out there in the world that can beat them in the national championship next year? Yes. I don't. Who is it? In terms of the player himself, like Caleb Williams can. That, that's the only person I could say could do it, but that defense is so bad, I don't know if they'll make it there. Yeah, but if they hit the portal hard, like, I have, well, hey, I have zero faith in Alex Grinch to run a competent defense. So, but like, I'm talking he, he just got, like. He got cut today. He did? Yeah, he got fired. Oh, shit. I thought I heard that they said they were sticking with him. Oh, I, I thought he got, I don't know. He, they might have, I thought it, I saw he got fired. Oh, okay. Well, interesting. Well, yeah, if they can bring in a competent defensive coordinator and if they can put a defense together, USC could be that team. But, I mean, obviously you have, like, like Alabama's still there. Obviously, 
it's going to be kind of an unknown with Milrow at quarterback, which is the issue there. And like they have talent issues of their own, but an a like a And M, maybe Petrino can get it figured out for the offense because Jimbo sure shit can't. But I mean, it's Georgia's to lose at this point. And then the other one that I was going to say is after Alabama went back to back, they ran into Auburn. Is there somebody in the SEC East? I'm assuming it would have to be Tennessee that can yeah. upset them next year and get get it moving. If anybody, it's going to be the Vols, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm all in on the uh, Joe Milton train right now after watching the Orange Bowl. Oh, Milton. Yeah, Milton played great in the Orange Bowl. But, again, that Tennessee defense, like that's – until they can get that, like, situated, that's going to be the biggest question mark. And, you know, they're losing Hyatt. They're losing Pittman. Like, they're uh, – Yeah. They're Tillman, they're, not they're, Pittman, Tillman. Um, Tillman, yeah. Yeah, they're gonna have some. They, they're gonna have some shit they gotta figure out. But like, what team has a shot? Like Ohio State, they're gonna have a new quarterback. We don't know what that quarterback's gonna. Hey, maybe the maybe Ohio State can do it. Listen, I, I said it. You know, in our preview for that game, I was like, if anyone's gonna do it, it's Ohio State. And I yeah, mean, that was and hand up. I was wrong about that. I thought Georgia was gonna do damage to Ohio State, and I thought Ohio State wasn't gonna be able to handle it. CJ Stroud played this fucking mind out yeah I, he did and i mean like those receivers are so good they're both gonna be back so if yeah it could be them um but that's but can ohio state beat michigan like that's oh no man sounds like big jim's going to denver <laughs> I, I hope so because he's a good coach and that's like that's the last thing we need is for michigan to be consistently good yeah, I mean, you, we everybody, if they listen, they know our thoughts on Michigan, so. Yeah, fuck them. Um, but, yeah, like, this game, I mean, this game was so boring, we're not even really talking about the game anymore. Like, it's, I mean, I think it was Sandy Staples, they were talking about as well, called it a coronation. Like, that's exactly what it was. Like, it was 10-7 to 7 at one point, and I don't think anybody really felt like this game was in doubt still. So, yeah, Georgia, your dogs are the champ. Uh, not much more to say about that one. They are definitely going to be the betting favorite to win it again, which has not been done since the 1930s with Minnesota. So it's not easy to do. I mean, they have a very favorable schedule next year, though. Like their their SEC West draws a joke. Their SEC like the SEC East. Tennessee is going to be their toughest game in the regular season. Everyone on their schedule had five or more yeah, losses. Besides it's uh, they might not get challenged a whole lot this year. This year, I'm I'm gonna be in uh, Vegas at the end of the month for work, so I'll probably play a little uh, down. Throw, yeah. I mean, why not? No reason not to. But yeah, you know, with the year being over, what a great year of college football! Like it ended the way we thought it was going to with Georgia winning. You had Ohio State and Georgia in the playoff, like we kind of thought was going to happen. But it was an awesome year of college football. Yeah, it was great. I mean, and it's so that we have to wait eight months until we get it again. I know. And it was like there was just a lot of fun shit happening in college football this year that I don't know if maybe I paid more attention this year, but it feels like it hasn't felt like it hasn't felt like this the past few years. No, definitely not. I think uh, the COVID season really threw a wrench into things. Yeah, kind that's of, true. Yeah, that that one really stunk it up. But uh, yeah, last year was fine. 
but this year was definitely it just felt a little different. I mean, we had Tennessee, TCU, uh, I mean, a couple other teams really show up. So USC's back right now, at least it seems for the near future. Fucking Florida State. Yeah. Yeah. Just cr- some crazy shit. But, you know, you and I talked about this off air, but I think there were quite a few narratives and just kind of moments from the season that are kind of sticking with us. So you just want to do like eight a piece? Sure. All that right. works. Um, so, yeah, I'll let you go first. This was your idea, so I'll let you run with it. I'll let you start off. Okay, so, yeah, my uh, my first one on the list was, you know, the beginning of the season, just really everyone buying into a bunch of bullshit hype. Uh, you got everyone with the <laughs> not us, the Utah, not, a, oh, no, not <laughs> us. You got the uh, the Utah Florida game, everyone buying into Anthony Richardson, uh, Texas, Alabama being close. Is Texas really back? Everyone's buying into Kentucky. I mean, when Florida beat Utah, they jumped to number 12 from being unranked. And yeah. then Kentucky beat them the next week, and they jumped to eighth from being like 22nd, I think. Uh, yeah. You know, everyone's everyone's freaking out. Georgia beats Oregon by a bunch. Uh, Oregon sucks. Florida, we just said it. Florida State beats LSU. LSU sucks. It turns yeah. out, no. Florida State and Georgia are both just really freaking good. Yeah. And I'm, yeah. So that was, you know, kind of just setting the stage for the whole year. Just no one really knew what was going on at the beginning. Nothing like week one and week two just to get people's expectations wildly out of whack from what they should have been. Uh, yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, Oregon did a great job bouncing back. I think a loss like that definitely could have derailed their season, but they did a great job. Bo Nix, I mean, just he he's on my list. Uh, Bo Nix is, you know, resurgence here but um and lsu like you said you know i made the jokes obviously i've i i, I cracked jokes at, at lsu's expense and you know brian polian or uh yeah brian polian being the special teams coordinator there uh he still deserves scoring because their special teams did suck over the course of the year but yeah everybody was overreacting over those first couple weeks i mean you had I mean, Notre Dame was one team people overreacted on. Like they they went into the horseshoe and made it competitive. Everybody thought they were going to be hanging around in the playoff, and then they they go shit the bed a couple of times to teams that didn't even go bowling. Like it, it's it happens every year, but this year it did feel like everything was a little juiced. Yeah, I would I would agree. What's uh what's next on your list? Next on my list is first on my list is the Big Ten West being a fucking mess um (laughs) what a awful division of football like this is i had minnesota winning the division going into the season uh wisconsin was a popular pick uh wisconsin fucking sucked this year iowa they iowa is kind of a, a sub narrative of this just the most Iowa shit you've ever seen happen this year. They won seven to three in a game that they scored zero touchdowns. Um, they, and then the week after that, it was ten to seven, right? Yeah, yeah, and fucking the Farmageddon. Iowa, yeah, Iowa State They're, game, like they yeah. and the El Asico, El Asico, and they they capped it off with their bowl game. Even their yeah. bowl game was the same shit. Their punter was the MVP, like. <sighs> The Big Ten West we, is so bad. When, 
when we were talking about that game, we were talking about emergency backup. The emergency backup would have been Laporta. Yeah. So I, I would have paid to see that. Yeah. The, the Big Ten West just remained awful all year. Nothing. Minnesota probably was the most interesting team. Uh, Minnesota and Purdue. Purdue ended up winning it, obviously. But uh, besides those two teams, there was just nothing going on. Illinois, no. I, Illinois, I guess they they were fun, but they were another bit. They were it was defense, like their defense was just stifling everybody. The offense, they were running the ball, like it was just the most on brand season of the Big Ten West I can imagine. Like going into Week Thirteen, there were four or five different teams that could have won the division coming out of that weekend. Like it was insanity, and it was so on brand for what the Big Ten West is. Yeah, Big Ten West is a shit show. Ready for no divisions for sure. Oh, yeah. I don't need to see Purdue in the Big Ten Championship. They are not the second best team in the conference. Get that shit off of my television. Probably sixth. Like, I generously you, you, sixth. Yeah. I, I think uh, probably Maryland and Michigan State were ahead of them. Yeah. Oh, I would agree with that for sure. But yeah, all right. So. What's your next one? Uh, like you said, I've got uh, the rise of the Sun Belt. <laughs> I've got Georgia Fun Southern, belt. yeah, Georgia Southern beating Nebraska, App State being A and M, and Marshall beating Notre Dame all in the same week. And on top of that, I mean, all the other schools that were in there, uh, you know, Coastal looked good, JMU looked good. Um, they were right. Their yeah, first Tro- Troy looked really good. Like Troy yeah. was amazing, and that bowl game was really good as well. So, I think the Sun Belt is set up to be the next um, Group of Five conference that's. The you big know. dog in the in the G five, yeah, I agree. With yeah, that. yeah, yeah no, that's a that's a great one. Uh, my next one is absolute bonkers scores in some of these games. Uh, just over Kings, you had North Carolina couldn't stop to save their lives, but they could score points with the best of them. Uh, that Appalachian State game in particular, uh, Chase. I mean. Chase Bryce just putting the team on his back ended up not making it, but like that was it was one of the most fun games of the year to watch. Yep, I've um I've got my twenty five best games of the year, and that was like the first one. I didn't like rank them or anything, but yeah, first one you thought of though. Yeah, I, I just went in order by weeks. Yeah, and uh, that one was on there. Yeah, but just so many high scoring games, especially with some teams that you don't typically associate with it, and it just made for some really, really fun football that, you know, got palate cleansed by the Big Ten West. Yeah, this it is what it is. Yep. So, all right, what's your next one? Um, I have the resurgence of the transfer quarterback in the Pac-12 and kind of the Pac-12 as a whole. Yeah. Um, P- Penix and Bo Nix both had monster years, and they'll both be back next year again. Uh, I mean, Washington went from 4-8 and eight to 11-2. and two. Uh, they beat Texas in the Alamo Bowl. Oregon finished ten and three after that loss to Georgia, like we said. And uh, they had, uh, or no, sorry, I don't know. Oregon State won ten games. They won seven last year. Arizona looked good at times, as you know. We're like all in on Jed Fish. Utah's good. UCLA won eight out of their first nine and kind of crumbled. But I mean, probably the the best year Chip Kelly's had. And I mean, like. Well, I, as much as we hate on Lincoln, I mean, he turned them into an 11 win team after they had four wins last year. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, Pac 12, I mean, very exciting. And I think yeah. 
I think it'll stay exciting with Dion going to Colorado and even with USC and UCLA leaving next year. Yeah, Pac-12 is definitely back. Um, I mean, really, Stanford is the only one. They're, they're the only team in that conference right now where you're just kind of like, I don't see, I don't see a way out. I'm I'm kind of there with Cal too. Oh yeah, I forgot. Shit, I forgot about Cal and even. I, I think I think Dillingham's going to be good at Arizona State. Yeah, that's why I didn't mention Arizona State because I do like Kenny Dillingham and I think he's going to do a pretty good job there. But overall, like Pac-12 after dark super exciting like i i'm living for it next year i'm really excited to see it yeah for sure uh yeah i mean bo nix was on my list like i said earlier he was definitely uh he he was definitely one of the guys to watch uh my next one is gonna be overtime thrillers and this went all the way up through bowl season uh I know it happens every year, but some of these overtime games just felt way more high stakes than uh, what they had been in the past. And you had just some incredible stories attached to these overtime games. Uh, and I'll talk about one of them later. It's on my list. But uh, you just had it's that juice that the NFL overtime doesn't really have because it just goes back and forth and back and forth. And, you know, it could, in theory, go on forever. And we had it happen last year with Illinois Penn State that went to what, like nine overtimes? Nine overtimes, yeah. Still hit the under. Um, <laughs> but yeah, over overtimes just all the way back this year. Yeah, uh, I'm with you. Um, I missed the first half of the UNC Oregon Bowl game because I was watching that game. I think it's the one you're alluding to, but it just wouldn't stop. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think it's definitely the one that you're alluding to, or it's definitely the one I'm talking about. Yeah, and the, t- and the so, team I'm talking about. Oh, okay, I got you. Yeah, yeah, they're they're on my list too, but you can have them. Um, so. All right, I, I got a Tulane. I mean, yep. capping it off with a uh, Cotton Bowl win against USC, and they also beat the Big Twelve champs in K State. Roll wave, baby. Uh, yeah, this was their first time going to like a big bowl game. They went to the Sugar Bowl back in 1940. So 82 years since they've been in like a big bowl game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's their first time with more than eight wins since 98. Uh, yeah. They went 12 and 0 that year. And Tommy Bowden was the head coach right before he left for Clemson. Sheesh. Been a minute. Yeah. yeah. So uh, listen, I'm all in on Willie Fritz. Like we were talking about uh, playoffs and stuff like with UCF and Cincinnati leaving for the big 12. Like I think they are set up well to be conference champions and, a team that make makes it. the playoff, yeah. Yeah, they, they can be one of those ones that makes it into the top 12. Yeah, and they won that they won that Cotton Bowl with eight completions. Is that right? Yeah, sounds right. Yeah. Um, shout out Lincoln Riley in defense. But, yeah, I, I loved what Willie first did with Tulane this year. Like, they were a good team to watch. They played tough football, and they ended up being able to use that to cap it off with a great win. So, yeah, I'm right there with you. Um my next one is going to be unexpected basketball school dominance. I've got that on my speaking. list. Yeah. What a year for the basketball schools, man. Like we yeah. had Kansas bowl eligible, taking Arkansas to the brink in a bowl game. We had Duke with finishing what nine and four. I think it was this year. Yep. Mike Elko bringing Duke back. We had um, UConn winning some games yeah. to get in bowl eligible. Like, this was a great year for basketball schools. North Carolina, that's another one. Like they were they were 
awesome for a lot of I'd even season. I'd even throw um we were talking about I'd even throw Illinois in that group. Yeah, like, Illinois is one. I mean, Kentucky, I mean, they're still a good team and everything like that, but Kentucky's one. Arizona with Jed Fish, like they were looking pretty good despite maybe not having the same record as some of these other schools, but yeah, it was it, it was a fun time to be a fan of a basketball school this year for a lot of folks. Yeah, and then the other one that I even threw in there that's maybe about is uh Vandy. I mean, like Vandy, yeah, we were talking about early overreactions that Hawaii game when they just beat the crap out of them and they got to five wins. I think their over win was like one and a half. Yeah, they sk- they skunked Vandy or they skunked Hawaii and they, yeah, they won some good games. They beat mm-hmm. Kentucky like <laughs> baseball, then yeah, baseball school dominance there for that one. Oregon State like they had a really good year, so the. The uh, the lower sports in college athletics the teams have they had a good year this year. Yeah. Okay, so. I'll move on. Um, I got the the highs and lows of the first year coaches. Yep. So we had a ton of first year coaches that had a really good year. Uh, I'll just list them: out. Dan Lanning, Kalen DeBoer, Jake Dickert, uh, Brian Kelly, Billy Napier, Mike Elko, Joey McGuire, and Sonny Dykes. I mean, all of those guys took teams they probably boosted their win totals by like six yeah um and then the lows i mean you got tony elliott at virginia brent pry at virginia tech and then of course venables i mean like oklahoma was up to fourth at one point venables was man we talked we've talked about that enough with oklahoma but yeah no uh, the first year coaches and you know like even if you throw coaches like lincoln riley or marcus freeman in there like you had a lot of variance in the results of some of these first year coaches. And I think it's a testament to, again, overreaction, like Brian Kelly losing to Florida state people, myself included, but for different reasons, immediately jumped on them and thought LSU was going to be just a dumpster fire this year. Um, yeah. I, these first year head coaches, that's why you need time to build a program. Yeah. So now that's a, that's a good one. Um, Mine, my next one is that Tennessee-Alabama game. Like, mm-hmm. just in terms of a single game, Tennessee getting the monkey off their back with that win and the way that they celebrated and just the way Neyland Stadium was rocking for that game. It was such a blast. Yeah, uh, that was – that's my game of the year. Yeah. I, uh, it's may, up there may, for me. Maybe the Peach Bowl just with the the ramifications of everything but at the time like that was that was by far my game of the year. Yeah, regular season game of the year for sure in my opinion and like that was that was Hendon Hooker's Heisman moment that he should have had um Alabama like people I think that started in a little overreaction with Alabama that you know didn't get helped with LSU being next on the docket with there within a within a couple of weeks of that game um but yeah, like that that game was just everything you want to see in college football. Yeah, uh, you got another one on because uh, Tennessee was my next one. Just the rise. <clears throat> was it really? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Um. Yeah. Hang on. Let me let me pull it up here. That uh. So in terms of just another just game again, Utah USC, the first one, round one, under the lights. Cam Rising, his best game in my opinion. Uh, that fourth and goal run with 48 seconds left, and then getting the two point conversion. Um, it's yeah, I mean, it was just it's such a big statement win 
for a team like Utah being able to do that when, you know, USC was a top 10 team. They were, people thought USC was going to win that one pretty comfortably like that. It was a blast to watch. And it was, you know, that's your pack 12 after dark. Yeah, exactly. Um, the one game in the pack 12 that I really had was the Oregon Washington game. Mm-hmm. Just so much offense. And we're talking about those two quarterbacks and what would have happened. I mean, like, if Bo Nix doesn't get hurt there, maybe Oregon is playing for uh, – maybe they're playing Michigan instead of TCU. You just yeah. don't know. So that was really the one game that <laughs> I had in mind that really jumped out. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Uh, my next one is the Big 12 being good. Like, they maxed out with TCU, obviously, winning a playoff game, but – the Big 12 was a really good conference this year. Like just top in terms of top to bottom talent. Like their worst team was what Iowa State. Yeah. And Ooh. West Virginia. Yeah, West Virginia was another one. But besides that, like you had teams that were very competitive and all of them at one point were in position to win the Big 12. And you know, they ended up playing pretty well through the course of the season. It's and it just kind of goes to show TCU didn't necessarily have like the top 10 wins or anything like that when you look at the final rankings, but like they played a really deep schedule this year. Yeah. My, uh, my other one is kind of similar is the ACC. We got a bunch of newcomers. Um, UNC really popped off. Wake Forest, we didn't know what was going to go on with, you know, your new guy, Sam Hartman. Yeah. Uh, he was going to be out for a while with the, uh, the rib injury. NC State, I mean, that was another one week one. I had that game on my list. It was um, East Carolina with Devin mm-hmm. Leary. I mean, they snuck out on a uh, missed field goal. So, and obviously, I mean, like Florida State's back. I think Florida State's going to be ranked top five at the beginning of next year. So, I think they definitely could be, yeah. Yeah, definitely top ten. So, I think the fall of Clemson and maybe the rise of Florida State is back in uh, – the ACC's ACC. picture. And yeah. the crazy thing about that is that Clemson still ended up winning the ACC. <laughs> like, it's, they still ended up winning, and they just they did look like a good team. And maybe the quarterback change is going to help with that. Yeah. But uh, speaking of, my next one is quarterback play just across the board. Um, you know, you had quite a few, obviously only one guy can win the Heisman and Caleb Williams ended up doing that. He had an amazing season, but you had, if you look at this year's draft class and next year's draft class, you've got a ton of talent, like potentially NFL level talent. And it doesn't feel like it's been like this. Like, it feels like this is, I'm not going to say a golden age for quarterback play, but this has been some of the highest level quarterback play just spread out across the board that I feel like we've seen in quite a while. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, yeah, we're talking about the rise of like Drake may Max Duggan came out of nowhere. Like uh, Penix is back. Like, uh, I mean, we're talking about Arizona. Jaden Delora is a uh, great, I mean, there's a ton of guys out there. Stetson, JJ McCarthy looks good. Like there's just, so much. I mean, uh, we can keep on going. Jordan Travis, like it, Stroud. It, there's so many. Yeah. 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 Uh, my my last one is that Bryce Young will not get a national championship. Out of all all the quarterbacks that have been at Alabama that have been able to get it done, it's Mac Jones got it done. 
AJ McCarron Mac- got it done. Yeah, McElroy, uh, Jake Coker. Like, I listen. I I don't feel bad for the guy. Like, I don't feel bad for Alabama. There's no reason to. But no. At the end of the day, he's probably going to go one overall, maybe two. I mean, I I don't know. And he's the first guy that's been able to do that from Alabama, and it's just shocking that he's not going to get a national championship. That's going to be a that's going to be a trivia question one day. They're going to list off like five or six Alabama quarterbacks and say which one hasn't won a national championship. And, and I think be- a, I think a big part of that was Bill O'Brien. Just oh not, yeah. And shit, man, you know what's going to happen? I I can just see it now. Cliff Kingsbury just got fired. Oh, Bill yeah. O'Brien's on his way out. He's going to go to Alabama. Saving rehabilitation clinic. Listen, I mean, for a while there, they were running old offenses until Lane got there. He kind of brought them into the future, and they took off. But, like, Kingsbury's going to be able to do the same thing that Lane did. Like, Bill yeah. O'Brien's stuff just didn't work there. Yeah. It's – uh, how many how many games does this Bama team win if Bryce Young doesn't play? If Milrow starts all 12, I mean, I still think they win 10. Like, you think? Yeah. I was going to say maybe eight. Listen, they've got three safeties that are going to go in the top two rounds. Like they have Will Anderson. Like their defense was locked and loaded. They yeah. just didn't have receivers this year. No, their pass catching weapons were not good this year compared to what compared to what Alabama usually is. Like they're usually a wide receiver stable. Like they've a couple of years ago they had one of the most talented receiver rooms in college football history. Like they it Bryce Young dragged that team to a couple wins. Yeah, he's uh, he's up for an award for that. Absolutely. So, uh, I had so I'm gonna just take a little bit of liberty and talk about two specific plays to finish off. The first one, Brian Kelly's decision to go for two against Alabama, mm-hmm. and the way that that played out, just the balls to be able to do that with an LSU team that a couple weeks earlier got smoked by Tennessee. You'd lost an at the time embarrassing game to Florida State. You brought Alabama, you took Alabama to the brink, and you know, you played a respectable game against one of the best teams in the country. To do that and to hit it, just incredible. And I've I've stumped for Brian Kelly as a coach since we've started this thing. He is a good football coach, and that was one of the instances where you saw that happen. No, I'm with you all the way. Like I've always said he's like a top five coach for sure. Yep. And then my other moment, Kirby's timeout against Ohio State's fake punt. Uh huh. Yeah. Like he read it, and he did. That's the crazy thing. He did. So the story is already kind of out there at this point. It's been it's been passed around a couple a couple times. But Kirby was in the process. He hadn't gotten the special teams headset on yet, and the special teams coaches were like trying to scream at him basically from the, up in the box that they were running this fake, but he didn't have his headset on, so he didn't hear that. He read that from the other side of the field and called that timeout. That say, I mean, they wouldn't have won that game if they got. I mean, I guess they might have, but like Ohio State would have had all the momentum coming off of that fake punt. Yeah, listen, man, um, Scott Cochran. He's the special teams coach at Georgia. He used to be the strength and physical conditioning coach. He is responsible for seven out of the last like 12 national titles because he was at Bama for a long time. Then he went to Georgia as the strength coach. Uh, Also shout out to him. He's like, he had to take some time and he's celebrating a year sober. So hey, good good for him. him. Yeah. 
But, like, I mean, dude, the Georgia coaching staff as well. Like, Munkin in this national championship game destroyed TCU with everything he called. Shulman on the defense is, I mean, he was co-DC with Lanning. Like, it's, they're locked and loaded. They're both going to be there next year. I They're going to wait until something huge opens up. You think Munkin's so, going to stay? Where's he going to go? I feel like NFL teams are going to try to give him a look. Where's he been in the NFL? I know he was with Tampa Bay at one point. Tampa Bay, and I feel like he was with the Falcons too. Yeah, that's right. I mean, he could, and I think he would do good. Like yeah. he, I, I don't know, just the stuff they do, the end of rounds with Bowers, and like, I mean, yeah, he's, Bowers, he's just he's gonna Bowers is gonna be like a top fifteen, potentially top ten pick next year. He's insane. Listen, I was looking at mock drafts. There were some crazy people out there talking about him going number one overall. Yeah, that ain't happening. No, it's not happening, but I can see him going <laughs> top five. Like, if Kyle Pitts can go top five, yeah. I think Bowers can. Yeah, I, I could see him going. I would say he's a lock to go top 15, top 10 maybe. Um, But, yeah, I mean, it's just an insanely loaded team, and Kirby is a very good coach. And yeah. That fake punt, circling back to the fake punt catch, like the fact that he was able to spot that and get the timeout called in time, just incredible stuff. I mean, he was calling the defense at Alabama when they were winning. Like he, he yeah. knows what he's doing. Yeah, he knows um, what he's about. I've got a couple of um, other Audible games mentions. here. A couple of other games. Yeah, uh, I had the the Alabama A and M game. Mm-hmm. You know, A and M looked really down, and then that one ended up being great. I've got the uh, the A and M Arkansas game where the Ball went like over the field goal post. Oh yeah, the game. Uh, Utah going for two against USC, very similar to BK, and then uh, that Kansas State TCU Big Twelve Championship game where Duggan just played his nuts off. Oh my god, left it all out on the field. Yeah, but um, yeah, great, great year of college football, and I'm sure we missed some shit, but like, there's it's a lot to cover and. Just speaking frankly, we both got jobs outside of this. Like the, the, this isn't this isn't our life, unfortunately. But yeah, it was it was such a joy to watch this season. Like regardless of how, obviously both of our teams didn't meet expectations, but like just being able to watch college football as a whole and see what happened this year was a blast. Yeah, I'm I'm sad but happy that it's over at the same yeah. time. Need a little bit of a break. Yeah, I'm ready for um I guess baseball season. <laughs> hey, we get NFL playoffs still rocking and rolling here. We we got some good football left. Yeah, there's um there's talk about both Indy where you're at and Atlanta getting that Buffalo Kansas City game because the weather's going to be so bad. Yeah, uh Indianapolis has already said that they can't do it. Um mm-hmm. there's actually like a a club volleyball like invitational that they've already like all the hotels in the city are already booked out for it that weekend. So like the stadium's open, but they can't like, they just can't fit people in any hotels around here. So it's probably going to end up being Atlanta if I had to guess, which is good. Like it should be in a dome. Like you have Josh Allen and Pat, Pat Mahomes, let them just fucking sling it in a dome. Like I love weather games as much as the next guy, but these are two, these are like the top two quarterbacks in the NFL. Let them fucking sling it. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be a hell of a game. Yeah. I can't wait. Um, But, yeah, so those are some of our narratives and moments for this season. We are going to wrap up with some end-of-year awards. 
And Bennett, you put these together and the members of our Discord voted. So we are going to relay these results to you. And uh, we got some fun names here. So I will let you take the lead on these and I will provide the shitty commentary. Yeah. So uh, first up, we've got the Maurice Claret, freshman of the year. Uh, the nominees were Quentin John, uh, Quinshawn Judkins from Ole Miss, uh, Damian Martinez at Oregon State, Nick Singleton at Penn State, Evan Stewart at AM, and Harold Perkins at LSU. And uh, not to much surprise, the uh, the big man himself, Harold Perky, he uh, he he wrapped it up with forty eight point six percent of the vote. Yeah, I that was one of the guys I voted for. Um, I mean, the dude played like three or four different positions on a on an SEC defense. Like physically, the dude is the truth, and the production was there. Like this that. Harold Perkins is going to be a number one overall pick if he if this if his career tracks through college. Yeah, not not next year, but the year after that. Yeah, yeah. If he keeps I, developing. I voted for uh, Quinshawn Judkins. Judkins had a great season. Yeah, he had, he had almost sixteen hundred yards on the ground as a true yeah. freshman, and he was like a three star coming out of high school. So no one really saw that coming. Yeah. Um, Nick Nick Singletary got a bunch of votes, but Singleton, I, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, he but. no. <laughs> Nick Singleton, Mike Singletary's kid, you know. Uh, yes. No, Sing, and Singleton, another great running back for Penn State. I mean, and he's he's going to just get better and better. Like he, they've got a lot of really good running backs, uh, especially out of these freshmen this year. Um, yeah, Evan Stewart, Damian Martinez, also pretty good players, but I I think they just may not have had the name recognition. And with A and M, like it's hard to pick a dumpster. It's hard to pick a player off of just a. Off of that team, like you just can't, you can't do it. Yeah, we we're talking about that Bama game at the end, and they choked it because they looked over at the sideline, and Jimbo's going, "Throw it to Evan." Yeah, <laughs> like, all the Bama players, like we saw him say it. So yeah, like, that's elite coaching. So yeah, so congratulations, Harold Perkins, you've won the Maurice Claret Award. Yes, congratulations. Uh, next up, we have the What If Award. So the three nominees were: What if UNC had a defense? What if Iowa had an offense? And what if Texas A&M had an offense coordinator? <laughs> the and answer to the answer to all three of these questions is these three teams would have been in the playoff. Yeah, dude. <laughs> and the the one that snuck out barely was if Iowa had an offense with forty five percent of the vote. Um, UNC was right behind at forty, and then Texas A&M was pretty far down there. Yeah. But listen, if if Iowa had an offense this year. They would have won the Big Ten West easily, and I think they would have been able to give Michigan like some problems. Yeah, that defense, Iowa's defense is nuts, man. And all the credit in the world to Kirk for, to Kirk Ferentz for having the special teams and defensive talent that he does year in and year out, and not just the talent, but developing some of the guys that are less talented and making them just studs. But if Brian Ferentz is the offensive coordinator next year. Kirk needs to be fired. Listen, I I was just reading about the um, when I looked up Bowden when I was talking about Tulane. Yeah. You know his brother. Um, you go to his Wikipedia page and it's literally talking about nepotism when he was coaching for Bobby at Florida State. I and mean, yeah. <laughs> this doesn't sound legal, but at the time they said when he got bought out, 
he received $150,000 a year through 2012 uh, through the Booster Club at Florida State, which doesn't sound right. No, but it's a little different. Not Now it wouldn't be that big of a deal, but back then. Yeah. 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 Huh. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, but anyway, Brian Ferentz, please don't be the offensive coordinator next year. I'm begging you. Uh, Carolina, I voted for what if UNC had a defense. Uh, Drake me with a Heisman candidate up until like the last game, basically. And yeah, the last last couple of weeks he really slowed down. Yeah, he if they had a defense that was just able to, you know, stop a team every other drive instead of every four drives, like <laughs> UNC. I don't know if they would have beat Clemson, but they sure shit would have put up a little bit of a better fight against Clemson than they did. Uh, they probably would have beat Oregon pretty handily, although Oregon's another, like, what if they had a defense team? But, yeah, yeah, and A&M having an offensive coordinator, luckily they fixed that. They've hired <laughs> the, the motorcycle man himself. Petrino's like going to be... Two weeks after he took the job at UNLV. <laughs> I know. It was... Uh, that was very predictable, too, for for him and uh, was everyone's talking about he's gonna, he's gonna work himself back into a job he's like 62 years old i don't think he's like got that much time left like <laughs> not if his motor skills are uh, anything to go by listen man when i was in a taxi last time i was in vegas my guy was talking about the most the best thing to do is take a motorcycle ride up to lake tahoe so <laughs> he's gonna be having a lot of fun <sighs> yeah good for, good for uh good for old bobby p there uh so yeah I've, I voted for Carolina there. Did you, who did you end up voting for? Iowa. Do you, that might have been the deciding vote. I, I don't know. We got a good amount of responses, actually. So, yeah, I saw um, that. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. Do you want to do this one? Yeah, sure. We'll do our next award is for the Darren Sproul Short Guy Big Player Award. So this is for our Short Kings, everyone out there listening. Uh, we got three guys that got nominated. We had Deuce Vaughn out of Kansas State, Blake Corn from University of Michigan, and then Tank Dell, Nathaniel Tank Dell from Houston. And the runaway winner was Deuce Vaughn, which, yeah, I mean, Deuce Vaughn was an electric player this season for Kansas State. It's hard not to vote for the guy <laughs> that, you know, the award is named after. They went to the same school as well. Yeah. So. He's, got, he's got a little bit of a bump there. Yeah, definitely a bump, but um, I'm I'm sad. He declared for the draft, and he was like a thousand yards away from breaking all Sproles' records at the school. So yeah, people were thinking maybe he would come back to try to get the record. But I mean, I, I've looked at some stuff. He's like a sixth round projection right now. Yeah, that's typically if you don't get a th uh, top three round grade, then you're told to go back to school. But the tough thing is with that is that running backs they have a short shelf life especially once you get up to the NFL. So I I can't blame him for wanting to try to go out there and get paid while he can. Yeah, well, and that's what you're saying. Like, uh, if you don't get a top three grade, you'd figure they'd be able to come up with the NIL money because, like, those those last rounds are like $250,000 signing bonus, I think. Yeah. Now, now with NIL, I think you're going to see more guys stick at the schools because of that. Like, if, if they're not getting that grade, then they can at least lean on NIL to be able to come back there. So – uh yeah i i wish vaughn would have come back that would have been so fun to watch him break that record next year yeah. but uh hopefully he does really well in the nfl so yeah that's the darren Sproles short guy big player award congratulations deuce vaughn yeah good for you
Uh, next up, we have the overrated award. We had three nominees. Uh, I couldn't think of a, a name or anything for this one. Just it just got overrated. Yeah. Uh, we, we we had Will Levis, Anthony Richardson, and Keishon Butte, who I think all deserving candidates. We'll say yes. That. We'll we'll all probably go in the first round, but Lord knows fucking why. Um, and it was actually pretty close, but Will Levis did sneak out with forty seven percent of the vote. Um, Keishon Butte did not get that much, and Anthony Richardson was right behind him at like thirty eight percent. So yeah, that's that's pretty close for for that one. I mean, I, I thought maybe Butte would get a few more votes just because he had a weird season this year, just a lot of behind the scenes stuff. Yeah, his kid, or he just had a kid, and like I think he's dealing with that. Well, and now the rumors that are coming out, I don't yeah, know yeah. how much. Don't know how much credence we can really give to those, so I'm not really going to go into detail about that yet. But if those are true, like just a weird year for Keishon Butte. Yeah, um, you saw the cheese it bowl clip of all the guys jumping on the bed. Yeah, <laughs> the coach is like, "Get the fuck off that right now." <laughs> Love it. Oh my god. Yeah, um, but uh, Will Levis is a deserving winner. He, st- I don't get, I do not understand why this kid is good. I hope he does. I hope he gets paid. I don't understand it. I don't see why he's going in the top ten. Listen, it's a. I mean, from everything we see, like it's a surefire top ten pick. After those, after Stroud and Young, like he's up next. Yeah, hey, man. Good luck to him. Hope it goes well. Yeah, you got this one. Yep. So next up. We have got the Mackenzie Milton Comeback Player of the Year Award. And another close one between two of our candidates. We had representing the Pac-12, Bo Nix of Oregon and Michael Penix of Washington, followed up by Mo Ibrahim out of Minnesota. And barely edging this one out was Bo Nix. I mean, not only was it a comeback from last season, it was a comeback from week one. Like he came back from being at his low point this in the same season. And he put, if if you took that game out, you would have a pretty solid argument for him being in New York for the Heisman ceremony. I think even with that game, like he had a decent argument. Like he did. I just like for me personally, I was like, you can't have that kind of game and be in the running for the Heisman. So like I I, I get it. I and I do agree. Like one game shouldn't necessarily make or break a guy's chances to win the Heisman, but that one was brutal. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but he can feel better because it happened to a guy that was at the Heisman final ceremony. <laughs> was he your vote? Bonex was. Yeah, I voted for Penix. Just a, a little bit more of like a comeback, I guess. Yeah, I would agree that. All three of them were very deserving candidates. Penix, you know, obviously being in Indiana, I saw the stuff that he had to go through at IU. So I was definitely rooting for him going into this season. He he balled out, and I cannot wait to watch him next year. Listen, man, I watched that Alamo Bowl. With the offense they run, they are going to be good for a long time. Like, if they can get some dudes, like, I could see them easily year after year being in the playoff and, like, competing for a title. Yeah. So they're, they're looking defense. great. Got to get in defense. Yeah. And uh, Mo Ibrahim. I mean, we we love the guy. So. Yeah. Big, big, big Mo fans here. So you got this next one? Yeah. So this is the uh, the FedEx Mail It In Award. These are teams that started off hot, maybe, you know, 6-0, 7-0, and just completely packed it in. We had uh, Oklahoma State, Kentucky, and Ole Miss. And Ole Miss 
won by a large margin with 54% of the vote. Yeah. Which I'm a little surprised with uh, that. I mean, Oklahoma State really packed it in. <laughs> like, yeah. They, yeah. And I, I can't remember which I voted for either Oklahoma State or Ole Miss because I felt like Kentucky, like for me, Kentucky didn't start hot enough. Like, they, I, got up to, they got up to eight. And I guess Ole, they Miss, did. Beat, Ole Miss beat Kentucky. Like, I yeah. think that was like week six or something. Yeah. I, I don't remember. And it was it was just one of those things where like they were six and zero, but you could see you could see the wheels falling off from quite a bit away. Oklahoma State, I feel like probably should have gotten a bigger share of the vote here because, like, I had they were my they were my preseason favorite to win the Big Twelve, and they they're a tire fire right now. Yeah, they're in trouble, and I mean it's just not looking good for them. It might be the end of the uh, Gundy era. It might be because I mean you're hearing a bunch of stories about how like players hate him. And yeah, and I I never thought that was like the narrative. Or the yeah, story. I didn't either. That surprised me. So I know we've been alternating, but this next one I'm gonna need you to give some give some background for this one. Yeah, this is the the Jan Sport Backpack Mode Player of the Year. <laughs> this is this is the guy that like we were talking about carried his team. The most. Um, so the nominees were Caleb Williams, Max Duggan, Bryce Young, Hendon Hooker, and Drake May. Um, Max Duggan actually won this award with 32% of the vote. This is probably the one that we had the biggest spread out yeah. like, across the board. Like we're talking about, I, I voted for Bryce Young just mm-hmm. with, I mean, we talked about it. If, if he wasn't playing, who knows what would have happened. But I mean, Max Duggan really willed them to 11 and 1 and then. Uh, I guess, yeah, eleven and one, and got them into the playoffs. So, and even their loss, like they would not have been in that game if Duggan hadn't just had some heroic, some heroics in that. Yeah, no, he had an amazing year. I, it sucks it went out the way it did, but yeah, I, good on good on you for being the uh, backpack mode player of the year, Ginger King. Yeah. All right. Next up, we have got the oldest man of the year. And uh, this one might be the, uh, it's not the biggest uh, margin, but it's probably top top three margins in terms of our how we did the votes. So uh, this is just for our old guys. So we've got Austin on from North Texas, Hendon Hooker from Tennessee, the mailman Stetson Bennett from Georgia, Sean Clifford from Penn State, and then Cam McCormick out of Oregon. And... Very unsurprisingly, especially considering how this week played out, Stetson Bennett with a runaway victory getting 70% of the vote. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he's older than what, nine NFL quarterbacks? Uh, Hold on. I've got the list right here. I'm going to read them off as they come across because it's a video. NFL quarterbacks, Stetson, Davis Mills, Mac Jones, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Tua, Jalen Hurts, Trey Lance, Justin Herbert, Kenny Pickett. Brock Purdy, Malik Willis, Desmond Ritter. <laughs> That's it. Twelve. Yeah, and I'm, I mean those those are just the starters. Like I'm, not, I'm honestly kind of surprised he's not older than Sam Darnold. And yeah, me too. I don't know. Um, I mean, it feels like I'm Sam so, Darnold is like still 23 or 24. Dude, Jalen Hurts was the quarterback at Alabama six years ago. I know. <laughs> he was there before Mac Jones. Yeah, that's uh, that's <laughs> for college football. He is old, man. 
Yeah, but uh, Austin on got the second most votes. I mean, he's 29 years old. Yeah, it's deserved. <laughs> yeah. Um, he probably, you know, if we're going by the name of the award, he probably should have won. But, you know, Stetson's profile, way too big to ignore there. Yeah. So, I mean, congrats on him for being a man. But, I'm a man. Yeah. Up next, we got Dumpster Fire of the Year. Uh, we had A&M, Miami, and Michigan State. Thank God Michigan State did not get a lot of votes here because – I mean, it's just brutal, but AM just rolled with 84% of the vote here. I mean, they you really hate to see it. They started out, I think, fourth overall in the rankings. Um, it, it is what it is. I think they'll be good next year. So they have to be, or else they're gonna they're gonna have to drum up a lot of oil money to get rid of Jimbo Fisher. Uh so did they did they refresh my memory? Did they win more SEC games than Vanderbilt? Um, I'm not sure. The answer is no, they did not. Okay. <laughs> Vanderbilt yeah. has more SEC wins than AM this year. Texas AM, who just signed the best recruiting class in the modern recruiting era. Fewer wins than Vanderbilt. They Miami, I feel like probably could have gotten a few more votes because they got they were real bad. Uh, they lost to Middle Tennessee State. Got not just lost, got smoked by Middle Tennessee State at home. Uh, Michigan State, Michigan State, I feel like was tough. We lost to four teams in the top ten, but like yeah. end, of, end of your top ten. I mean, it's yeah. It, I think they were just a victim of schedule and. Listen, like, you can't you can't lose to Indiana and Maryland. I get that, but like, <laughs> listen, they they lost to Penn State, they lost to Michigan, Ohio State, and Washington. Like, and three of those games weren't close. The Washington game was actually pretty close. Yeah, that was actually a pretty decent game. It ended yeah. up being um, tough road yeah. environment. I I would throw an honorable mention for Oklahoma. Yes, yeah, they probably should have been on here. They were 16. like A and M. I think they were up to like number five overall. Yep. Finished six and seven, so nice job, Sooners. And they, they absolutely just blew it in their bowl game against Florida State. <laughs> yeah, they did. Loved it. Which, that was the cheese it bowl, right? Speaking of which, we've got – there's this year's. Sure. Uh, we got the uh, cheese that I woke up feeling the cheesiest coach cheese dick of the year. Uh, the nominees were Dabo Sweeney, Jimbo Fisher, and Jim Harbaugh. And congratulations to Dallas Sweeney. He's the cheese dick of the year. Yeah, 60% of the vote. Nice job there. I, I voted for Jimbo. I did. I did. So Dabo, obviously cheesy, won the Cheese Bowl last year, but they won they won the ACC this year. Like their one loss was to Notre Dame, and then obviously Tennessee in the bowl game. But like they, they had a good squad. Uh yeah. and Jim Jim Harbaugh, kind of the same thing. Like, yes, he's cheesy. Yes, he he is a cheese dick, but when you have a good football team, that to me that kind of helps negate that a little bit, which is why I voted for Jimbo there. Okay, so like, what what were Dabo's big cheese dick moments? Was it the pink suit? The pink suit was number one, and then that the nil comments recently. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! Oh wow, he went full on pastor for that one. It was uh. Our, our NIL program is in the name, image, and likeness of the Lord or something something yeah. like that. Uh, I'd have to find the tweet to pull that back up. But, yeah, that was some, that was some cheese it shit right there. Um, 
but then yeah, Jimbo, he had a whole off season popping off, uh, getting defensive about NIL and, you know, having us all circle our calendars for that A&M Alabama game, which ended up being a good game, but for the wrong reasons. Um, and then Harbaugh, Harbaugh just doing Harbaugh shit as usual. He's just a weirdo. Like I, I think that's really, that's really just it with him. He is a just a strange dude. Yeah, I would say his biggest um, like cheese dick moment was when uh, not trying to get political when all the Roe v. Roe v. Wade stuff was going on. Like he was, I'd say offered. he's more he's more of a cornball than a cheese dick. Yeah, he. Uh, but yes, he did offer to raise any player on his team's kid that they didn't abort if they didn't want it. Um, that's it's take. Uh, again, not to, not to get political, but that is certainly a take by a coach there. Yeah. So congratulations, though, Dabo. Yes, congratulations. You can wear that pink that pink suit out on the town. Yeah. Uh, and then to close it out, we have got our Kenneth Walker the Third Heisman snub of the year. We got three candidates here. We have Hinden Hooker from Tennessee, Blake Corm from the University of Michigan, and then Bryce Young from Alabama. And your winner with over 60% of the vote, Hendon Hooker, which that's who I voted for. He should have at least been there. I can yeah. see, yeah, he probably shouldn't have won. Caleb Williams had an amazing season, but you got to invite the dude. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. He should have been there. Corn, the same thing. Like, we, are, we already talked about how good of a year Stetson Bennett had and how good of a player he is and, you know, how good of a game he just had. He shouldn't have been there. No, that was – it was wrong, and it felt wrong. And, I mean, he got, like, none of the votes. Yeah. So. that's How did he get there? That's my – anyway. Uh, yeah, Hendon Hooker should have been there. The fact that he wasn't made him easily the biggest snub of the year uh, for the Heisman because Bryce Young was there, right? No. Oh, was, he wasn't um, there? Okay. It was Duggan, Stroud, Stetson, and uh, Caleb Williams. That's right. Yeah. Uh, he, I mean, Bryce Young had a couple of not as great games that he, he still had some heroics to pull out wins, like that Texas game. He wasn't on his game for that one, but he ended up pulling off a drive at the end to get a win there. But Corum, I feel like he should have been there too. Just an incredible yeah. season. I mean, Deuce Vaughn probably would have had an argument to be there. But Hendon Hooker was by far my biggest snub of the year. Yeah, no, I would agree. I'm excited to see what uh, Tennessee quarterbacks can do here on out. That offense is just so exciting to watch. I got Nico coming, Nico Iamaliava, the uh, the quote-unquote $8 million man, allegedly. <sighs> That's a lot of money for a freaking 18-year-old. It is. Good for him, though. Like, good good for him. That's all I got to say. Like, I hope he balls out. Yeah. So. Wrap it, wrap it all up together. Uh, Lad McCockey's grandpa always wanted him to go to Tennessee. Oh no! Yeah, I'm sure his grandpa's. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure he'll be he'd be able to deal there. Yeah, without, he'll be just fine. <laughs> Lad McCockey, what a name! Like I, I still can't get over his name. Yeah, he's uh dude. He's awesome. <laughs> yeah, but that'll about do it for tonight. Not a lot of big news going on right now. Apparently, Dion might have uh, tampered with a recruit and gotten caught. So we'll see how that shakes out. But nothing, nothing crazy yet. Nothing concrete. Uh, Bennett, you got anything else for us? Yeah, we just left it off. Cheese dick, Jim Harbaugh, <laughs> uh, violations, lying about buying somebody a cheeseburger. Like, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, 
I'm all for telling the NCAA to fuck off, especially for shit like that. Like if they're if they're getting you for a for buying a recruited cheeseburger, then you can tell they're just fishing at that point. They're just upset he lied about it. I which I don't know why he lied about it. It's like it was like an eight dollar hamburger. Yeah, he he shouldn't have lied about it. But at the same like I can also see like why the fuck are you why do you care about a hamburger? Yeah. That's whatever. But yeah, all right. Anything else for us? No, just um, really excited to get into off season. Um, you know, probably be a lot of drafts, recruiting uh, news every once in a while. Yeah, I mean, news when it pops up, but it's it's gonna be fairly slow. It's not like the NFL where there's just stuff happening nonstop. Um, no, but we probably will do a little bit of draft stuff going into going into the NFL draft once we see the combine results and all that. Yeah, I mean, like, absolutely, like, I mean, send us questions on if you have team needs for your NFL team. I mean, like, guys are looking for in the third round and shit like that. Like, we'll definitely be able to help you out and, you know, who you should be looking at. Maybe do some film breakdowns. Wouldn't hate doing that. Yeah, I don't think – it's pretty cheap. We could do that. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll give it a shot. But we'll let you guys go. Thank you for listening. Uh, Feel free to follow us on Twitter, at TNTCFBpod. Hop in our Discord, chat with us. We got links in on our Twitter bio, and feel free to like, subscribe, share, review the pod, tell your friends, and join us. And it's already past early signing day. National signing day is coming up, but please, for the love of God, don't tweet at recruits. Don't tweet at recruits. All right. Good night, everybody. Go dogs. Congrats. Dogs.